Welcome to the One Solution Podcast. In this podcast, we're going to explore if there really is one solution to all the world's problems. And that perhaps that solution lies in the mind. The mind is both the source of those problems, but also the solution to those problems. Welcome to another edition of the One Solution Podcast. Uh, I'm really, really excited to finally uh, give you guys a recording of a keynote that was done earlier this year. And this specific keynote is uh, an audio version of, uh, well, I guess that's obvious because you're on a podcast, you wouldn't be listening to something that has to do with video, so it's a little bit redundant. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, this specific keynote uh, was done by Stephanie Fox, uh, she got invited to speak uh, at the Emerge Conference in Switzerland earlier this year, which was a global conference looking at how to create new solutions, how to innovate, how to really make change. And they put people from all kinds of different fields that had different kinds of solutions to uh, solving big issues. And Stephanie was brought in to kind of tie all of that together, to tie all those different solutions and look at what where did all those solutions come from? Where does all problems come from? How is the mind at the source and at the pivotal point of all change? And how can we tap into that in a bigger sense? So you'll hear example from uh, some of the work that has been done in Gaza and her experience working with the UN and uh, her creation of a a Curious World, which is an animation to teach kids about how their emotions and how their experience is created from the inside, and that our search for uh, feelings and happiness or anything uh, in looking in the outside world is not necessary. And we're so excited to be working with kids with that animation, but also working with youth and teens and the future generations, focusing strictly on how can we change and how can we live and how can we create educational system that is based on that all experience and all change happens from the inside and out and not the other other way around. So I'm really excited. I'm going to stop talking now and just let you listen to this keynote. Enjoy. I'm extremely happy to welcome Stephanie Fox, our first speaker. She flew right out from Tel Aviv, is part of the One Solution. She is the Middle East Director for One Solution. One Solution is an organization dedicated to eliminating the mind as an ultimate source of societal and global change. She works with young groups in Israel and Palestine, and prior to One Solution has spent 14 years in international development and education for uh, international NGOs, the American private sector, and the United Nations. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Stephanie Fox to the stage. Thank you so much, Thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you very much, uh, Julie and Justina, and uh, to everybody who is making this really cool and first-time uh, conference possible. 
Um, One Solution is so delighted uh, to be a part of it and to have the opportunity to address you um, today. So first, I wanted to kind of shed light and, on the human mind as the source of change and actually the source of everything. And then I'm going to tell you why that is important and why it matters through some examples of change that um, we have seen when people see this, the mind um, as the source of everything. So it's not hard for us to kind of look around the room right now and see how what we are sitting in has its origin in the human mind. For example, electricity. This occurred to the mind of Thomas Edison. This amazing water bottle, which I just uh, saw this morning from Karen, um, occurred to a brilliant individual in Australia who realized that round water bottles spill in your purse, and it's really annoying. So they came up with a new design. Again, a product of the human mind. Um, those really cool pieces of paper that were on the tables out there that are made of seeds, so you can plant them rather than throw away. Again, occurred to somebody who felt bad throwing away uh, so much paper. And everything, everything you see goes back to an idea that occurred in the human mind. Now, I think that's pretty easy for us to kind of um, grasp. What we also forget, or what we forget, is that invisible things are also products of the human mind. So, concepts. Um, for example, the concept of a nation-state. This didn't always exist. It came into existence because some people in 1648 in Europe were looking for a solution to the religious wars. And it was through the Peace of Westphalia, in which Switzerland came into existence, as I'm sure all of you know, and many other nation states. The whole concept of organizing our world into nation states was an idea in the human mind that spread to other human minds, and then we took action on it. Now we live in a reality of a world that exists of nation states. The concept, uh, going a little bit even deeper than that, ownership itself is a creation of the human mind. And this first um, occurred to me when I, through working uh, with people in the Middle East whose native languages are Hebrew and Arabic, and I, I took a faint-hearted stab at learning those languages before I gave up. <laughs> um, and one of the really interesting things uh, to me in those languages is that there's not a verb to have. And I asked the, my Hebrew teacher, why, why is that? Why isn't there a verb to have? And she's like, well... Because in the ancient language of Hebrew, humans didn't have this concept of ownership because everything belonged to God, to the energy of life. It was strange to think that a human could actually 
put a stake on a piece of land and say, this is mine. So those languages didn't, don't have the verb to have. Later languages do once the concept of ownership became a reality for us. Once enough uh, collective human minds decided that, yep, we're going to go with this idea of ownership. But it didn't always exist. Another one is um, monotheism. Again, a con from my research, this concept first occurred to uh, an Egyptian king who really liked the god of sun. So this is in the time of worshiping lots of gods. And this guy was like, no, I'm, I really think we should go with just worshiping the god of sun. You know, he seems like a really cool guy. So he put this out to the community, and the priests were like, no, no. Like, our whole system is organized. We have temples built for different gods, the god of fire, the god of the sea. We can't, if, you, if we only worship one, people are going to stop coming to the temple. And the temple is where we do all of our uh, economic business. So, you know, thanks for the idea, but we're not going to go with that one. We're going to take a pass on monotheism for the moment because it doesn't really suit our lifestyle. Um, now we know humans didn't take a pass on the concept of monotheism later. It occurred in other human minds, mainly after um, emperors started amassing uh, big swaths of land and, and territory. And then humans said, okay, yeah, this monotheism thing, I think we can give that one a go. Um, and then we adopted it. And now we live in that. We live in that as if it existed, or if it has an existence outside of our own minds, as if it was our, always there. And this is true for everything that you take a look at. When you look around at the world, both the visible and the invisible, everything that we can perceive has its source in the human mind. Basically, we are sitting in a world of old thought. That's all. Old thought. People had ideas, they spread, they acted on them, and now we're sitting in the middle of them. Um, the other thing that has its source in the human mind, and this was the most mind-blowing thing for me to realize a couple years ago, and that is our whole experience of life, our feelings also have their source here. Now, I grew up, and I'm sure many of you grew up, believing that your feelings were coming from outside of you, that happiness was to be found in attending a beautiful university or living in a beautiful country like, uh, like Switzerland. And if that was true, then everybody at St. Gallen University would be happy all the time. Now, has anyone here felt unhappy? Ever in your life? Yeah, okay, you want to know why? Because it's not the university giving you a feeling. It's not the made-up concept of Switzerland giving you a feeling. You're feeling your own mind. You're feeling your thinking all the time. And there was a... To give you another example, I was sitting in front of the beautiful old church in the old city yesterday, feeling the sun on my face and enjoying the really uh, plush grass. You know, I, I live in the Middle East, so for me, like plush grass, I was like, this is amazing. Can I just like feel it for like the next hour? 
Um, <laughs> <I'm> silly. <laughs> anyway, so I'm having a great time. I mean, I'm taking pictures of the grass. I'm sending them to my husband. I'm like, look at me. Enjoy your sand, <laughs> you know? And uh, this woman uh, walks by, and she's, you can tell by the look on her face, she's just really uh, having a rough time, and she's scowling, you know, like this. And then I hear her, um, she, she said, as she walked by me, she said, um, and of course, human beings are just useless, you know? And I was like, wow, she's having a bad day. Um, but she was also in the presence of a beautiful church, also feeling the sun on her face, and also seeing the plush grass. Yet she was having a terrible time, and I was having the time of my life. How is that possible? It's only possible because I was experiencing my mind, she was experiencing her mind, because that is how experience always works. It's not from the church, it's not the sun, it's not the grass. It's not a piece of paper with ink on it in front of you, causing you anxiety. It's you making the connection that, oh my God, this is my macroeconomics exam, and if I fail this, I'm going to be a homeless loser. That's you, okay? It's not the piece of paper with ink written on it. A piece of paper with ink on it has no power to give you anxiety. It's your mind that is causing that. Um, now, this notion of our experience and feelings coming from the mind was absolutely mind-blowing to me. And this is why uh, it matters for social change, is that it was when I saw this fact for myself when I had insight, a sight from within, um, about it, I suddenly had the answer to the change that I was trying to make uh, unsuccessfully for 20 years. So let me go back. When I was in university at the University of Minnesota, um, about 20 years ago, I'm totally dating myself, whatever, um, <laughs> I started to get um, kind of sensitive to the results of conflict and, and war. Um, Minneapolis has the highest uh, concentration of Somali refugees outside of, or a Somali population outside of Somalia because a lot of Somali refugees uh, set up, settle there. And I saw that and it really affected me. And so I decided to dedicate my life to um, peace, finding peace um, in the world. And uh, I went on to get a master's in international uh, conflict analysis and had a career in international development and humanitarian work in a variety of sectors. And while amazing work was done, both, for example, um, by U.S. government-funded projects in Angola, where I was, also with the United Nations um, in Gaza for uh, five years, great things were being done. Loads of brilliant people spending lots of time and lots of um, taxpayers' money in trying to improve the conditions of people involved in conflict. And for sure, we did that. But it wasn't ending conflict. It was just this cycle of pouring 
more and more energy and money into something that never seemed to have an end. Um, so we do programs, and then there would be another war in Gaza. In the five years that I was there, there were three wars. Um, so you could really feel yourself like in a never-ending cycle. And so I kind of gave up. Um, I was like, I don't see the end of conflict. I'm going to retire from this um, lofty ideal of social change and world peace that I had. You know, I'm just going to go live uh, in Tel Aviv and relax on the beach, be in my Tel aviv bubble and, you know, have a good time. Because I couldn't see the end to it. And then, um, without even trying, I stumbled across this understanding of the human mind, and it hit me that if people knew that the feelings that they are looking for, happiness, security, belonging, purpose, if people knew that this was an internal job, it was coming from the mind, then we wouldn't be doing the things that we're doing that result in conflict and war and environmental uh, destruction. Any social problem is a result of the misunderstanding that our experience of life is coming at us from the outside rather than internally. It's being generated internally by the mind. And that was mind-blowing for me. And all of a sudden, I was back in the game. I was back in the world peace game, but with so much hope this time because it seems so easy to me now. I no longer have to try and uh, convince people of the humanity of the other side or that we should respect other people's views or any, any of the stuff that I spent countless hours trying to do before. All that it is needed is for people to know the source of their experience and things clear up by themselves. And this is what we see in our, in our work with um, One Solution. So right after I had that insight, and this is another great thing about the human mind, is that ideas started coming to me about next steps. It's like profound insights come with a how-to kind of package. Like, here's your manual, okay, you know how to end war, now go do this. And what occurred to me was that if a generation of children uh, grew up knowing the source of their experience, we would just live in a fundamentally different world than we do um, right now. So I started working on a, a children's animation, which is now also um, turned into a comic book, um, which points children to the source of their feelings. It's called A Curious World, it's about a dragonfly who gets a bad feeling and then he gets an idea to go look for the good feeling in other uh, places. So he thinks, oh, I felt good at the beach one time. I'm going to go look for my good feelings at the beach. He gets to the beach, feels good for a little bit, but then feels bad. And he's like, wait, what? Good feelings aren't at the beach? I'll go look at my friend's house. Goes on over to his friend's house. Feels good for a little bit, feels bad. He's like, what's going on? Maybe I'll look at home. And he goes round and round looking for the good feelings until he has his own insight that it's being generated from his own mind. 
So that was one of the things that occurred to me to do after I had uh, the insight. Another was to work with a group of change makers in the Middle East and give them, uh, not even give them, help them remember where their experience is coming from such that they can be massive forces for change in their own communities. So we just had our, uh, our first weekend together, last weekend in um, Ramallah, with um, links to uh, some of our other fellows in, in Gaza City. And it was incredible. These guys, they want to do things across the range of social change. They want um, gender equality in their communities. They want their communities to um, incorporate green concepts, which is not a popular idea um, in Gaza at all at the moment. Of course, they, they're looking at war and peace. Like, as I mentioned, these guys live in a war zone. They've, in the last 10 years, they've experienced three wars, they, and all of the, the terrible things that go along with that, losing friends and family members, and uh, having homes destroyed, having really limited access to electricity and water and basic goods. Um, that's on their agenda, is the war and peace um, issue. They want to get rid of um, discrimination. They want to find a way for people to see uh, the common uh, commonality in all human beings. And last weekend, all of these things started to be addressed through insights they were having on their own once they started learning about the human mind. So um, they, learned, they saw things like human beings, we, we're all operating the same way. Our operating system is the same. The energy of thought comes into our mind. We, we take it or we leave it. We feel it, and then we act on it. And that's the commonality of humanity, and, and they saw that. And one of the amazing things that they said was the only difference, actually, between human beings is what thoughts we decide to grab onto, what thoughts look real to us in the moment. They also saw that because I believe some thoughts that come to my mind, and a person over here believes some thoughts that come to his mind, that we're actually living in separate realities. There's seven billion separate realities on this planet. And they saw that if everybody knew we were actually living in our own thought-created reality, conflicts would end, because rather than me trying to convince somebody that my reality is the right one. We'll just know that everybody lives in their reality and they think it's right. It's right for them. And when you see that, you naturally have more compassion for people. Like that woman yesterday walking by the church, I'm like, oh man. Rather than thinking, what's wrong with her? She should be happy, it's sunny. I thought, oh, she's really in a thought storm right now. That sucks. So you're naturally uh, more compassionate uh, towards people, and you're naturally respectful of them because you see that all that is happening with that person in that moment 
is that they believed a thought in their head. They also thought, saw how we don't have to believe every thought that comes into our head. And while that may seem obvious, it's a total game changer. When our colleagues work with people uh, in prisons, so many of them say, if I knew that it was optional to believe thoughts in my head, I wouldn't be sitting in prison right now. I didn't know that I didn't have to believe every thought that told me to take an action. I didn't know I could take a pass on some thoughts, like the people in ancient Egypt took a pass on monotheism for a while. We can take a pass on the thoughts that don't really serve us or the world. And so, um, there's so many sh stories like this that I could share with you about uh, the youth that we work with. And I hope to see many of you um, in, in the panel and my workshop later, and I'll be happy uh, to do that. Um, but I feel like uh, my time is almost over. So um, to conclude, I just want to say that um, the world we have right now is only the result of our past thinking. And so that means that our future can be the result of, the current, or of our current new ideas. We are not stuck with anything because we created everything. So what do you want to create? What do, what do you want to change? And whatever it is, I promise you that if you look towards your own mind, you are going to have insight and you will get ideas on how to make that change. So that's it. Thank you.